Well, thank you all. Maybe some more will come in here. Uh, if you got your booklet, uh, we're going to be on page 7 and 7.5. If you don't have your booklet, you've got uh, a little study guide with you. So let me pray for us. Dear Lord, uh, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that what needs to happen in America and American church is that uh, families of that church would be committed to develop godly homes. Uh, godly, godly husbands, godly mothers, raising godly offspring. So I pray to the Lord that we'd not faint and that we would uh, press on with trying to establish that in our church. I pray that you would uh, bless our time together this morning. And I pray that you'd bless Jeannie's time with the ladies uh, after church this morning. We uh, thank you for the beauty of the day. We thank you that this is the day the Lord has made. And we'll rejoice and be glad in it. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're we are working through the Grace Broadcaster book. Um, and the name of it is The Godly Home. And so it's going to kind of become uh, our our textbook for what it looks like to have a godly home in your home. And so it's, it's good that people can come on board and uh, read it and uh, catch up no matter where they might be. So, uh, <clears throat> Russ, would you get me, or Jimmy, would you get in that uh, book there, Russ, uh, in that box, yeah, there's a godly home. If you bring it to me, I'll kind of get you up to date on where we're, where we're at. So, uh, I went to uh, Locksburg yesterday at Randy and Karen's church, and uh, Vincent preached on uh, the uh, dangers of matriarchy in the, in the home, the church, and society. And I, I preached on how do we biblically push back against matriarchy. Uh, we, we had a good day. But this is the Godly Home book. It's a great broadcaster product. They're out of Chapel Library. Uh, I, I recommend these people. Uh, you can get on their mailing list. They'll send you stuff every month. Uh, and quarterly you'll get one of these and this is a, a number 170 and so we, we we began by looking at family worship because when it comes to having a godly home that's where it begins it begins with family worship so that was our first lesson and then we began to look at the duties of husband and wives uh, Richard Steele Richard Steele lived from 1629 to 1692 so in that lesson, we looked at the duties of husbands and wives, and uh, we looked at the duties that belong to both husband and wife, and then we come to today, and we're going to look at the duty of a husband, and his duty is to love. Jeannie's going to be teaching on the duties of wives, and that is to respect, but I'm going to teach you guys that same thing on, I think it's important that you get the whole picture being the head of the home, so we'll look at that uh, the next time. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, so, love and respect. I, I'm telling you, after 30 years of being at the same church, 33 years of pastoring and dealing with marriages, I'm absolutely convinced if a husband will decide to love his wife as Christ loved the church, and if the wife determines that she's going to respect her husband, they can have a good marriage. I'm telling you, this is the key. And why is it the key? Because it's a command of Almighty God. And it's not going to work any other way. I'm convinced of that. So love is the foundation of all other duties towards her. It is the beginning point. Everything flows from this. Without love, every performance of duty to her, towards her seems hard. Uh, if I didn't love Jeannie, the last almost four weeks would have been pretty tough. 
because I've, I've been playing nurse, I've been playing cook and all of that, and, and, I, and, I, and I've really enjoyed it, and I think the really I, reason I've really enjoyed it is because I want to do it. I, I want to please her. I want to be the best nurse that she's ever had. So in order to keep being a loving husband from being a, a difficult, uh, a, a, let me go back, and to keep being a husband from being difficult, the first thing that's got to happen, you got to love the Lord, then you got to love your wife. I mean, you got to really love her. Tenderness, honor, care, and kindness are merely the beams of sun that flows from that love. So we're going to look at three different uh, points today. And the first point is the dimensions of a godly husband's love. I don't know how many times I've read this booklet, uh, but every time I read it, it gets deeper. It gets better. I'm telling you, this is something that a young man ought to study. This is something that every husband ought to study if he wants to have a God-given marriage and a really good marriage. He needs to study this book. I'm telling you, just look at the world. It's not working. It won't work even in the Christian home unless we love our wives. So the love of the husband is to his wife is peculiar to this relationship. There's no other love like it except Christ's love for the church. It's really a unique relationship. It's distinct. It's different from parental love. It's different than lust. It's, it's love, wanting the best for the other person. So we're going to look at several points. So where, what's the ground of it? What's the root of that? And you've got the scripture in your booklet. If you'll look at Ephesians 5.25, it's right there on that front page. Here, here's the ground of it. You are married to her, and now that you're married to her, God commands the husband to love their wives. That's the root of it. Ephesians 5.25, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a mandate from God and from God's word. God commands husbands to love their wife. This alone will last forever. I'm telling you, you'll fall out of love. There'll be times that she doesn't act like you want her to act, and she'll be difficult to love. But the reason you do that is what? God commands the husbands to what? Love their wives. And that will last forever. So the extent of it, what does, that, what does the ground of it look like? The extent of it. You must love both her body and soul. And this is a great point. And, and, I, and I wish I could have taught you this. I want to teach my grandsons. I want to teach Paul and young men. I want to teach them this. Therefore, you should choose a wife that is physically and in her personality and spiritually attractive to you. Hey, you're going to live with them forever. You don't want to marry one that grates on your nerves while you're dating her. It will not be good. If you don't do that, you will do her and yourself a disservice. It will it's a it's a train wreck coming. So the ground of it is God's word. The extent of it is in in her body, so her, her very being, the degree of it, above his love for all others, including parents and children, and certainly above any person outside the family. Above all others, you've got to love her. Proverbs 5.19, a lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with a light. Be intoxicated always in her love. I, uh, I saw, I can't come back, I can't come up with a word uh, from another translation. Uh, 
just love her so much that you really love her. You, 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 can't, you can't keep your affections away from her. You can't keep your hands off of her. You really love her. And so the duration of it, how long are you going to have to do this? Somebody tell me the answer. Well, Forever. To death do us part. And that's exactly what it says. And look, this is a great word here. Not only love her in public, but love her in private. Not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, but until what? Death. death. Your love should daily increase through old age. Now listen, this is a great point. You had her beauty and her strength, okay, when she was young, so why not her wrinkles and her illnesses? You with me? That's what it's going to come to. Inner loveliness usually increases as outer loveliness decreases. Uh, in other words, the older she gets, the more I love her. The older she gets, the more she ought to love me. There are many reasons for a husband's perpetual love. These are some good ones. Okay. Now, why do you do it? Because God commands you to do it. Paul, could you get him one more booklet over on that table? So, the dimensions of it. Any questions about the dimensions of it? Anything I said that struck a nerve with you? Y'all, listen to me. I'm convinced if you love your wife and she respects you and really committed to that, you're going to have a good marriage. Otherwise, I can tell you what's coming. Trouble. All right? Love for the husband, respect for the wife. No, no comments about dimensions. No comments about anything I've said so far. All right, let's go to the, the second point, the pattern of godly husband's love. Aren't we glad we have a pattern? Tell me when Christ is not a good example. Huh? Is he not always a good example? Ephesians 5.25, love, husbands, love your wives as who? Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave himself up for her. Y'all find your notes there? Okay. Ephesians 5.21, 5.29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. You know what that means? Literally, when we marry a woman, in spirit and in other words, we become one with her. We ought to be so infatuated, we should be so involved with her, we should be so one with her, that when she is injured, we're injured. So, while we cannot attain equality with Christ, yet the quality of our love should be the same as his. How then does Jesus Christ love his church? We're going to look at some points. Genuinely, without hypocrisy, I mean, look guys, We've probably all figured this out. We can't fake it. We can't fake it. They're pretty astute to what's going on. Without hypocrisy. Christ's love for the church was so real and intense that what did he do? Died for the church. We should be willing to lay down our, wives for our lives for our wives. Number two, freely, without conditions. Before our expectations of it. Hey, is it not easy to love a woman when she's meeting all your needs? Yeah. What about when she's not? Not really. That's, you know what, we're selfish people. Mm -hmm. But that's the way that we operate. 
He gave himself, now listen to this word, to cleanse his church. I want to tell you, you as husbands, if you love your wives, you are a part of the sanctification process for her. Look at what it says he did. Implying that, she, hey listen, she may have been a little rough around the edges in the early going. She may have been not the Christian that really you thought that you were married. Married. But the husband must draw love from her by his own love. True love is more about begetting the object love than enriching the subject. You know what I'm saying? Our love is, is, is better when we are about doing what? Bettering her in all regards, meeting her needs, especially her spiritual needs. Here's a, here's a word from an old guy that I, I'd never seen before. Holily. Y'all ever seen that used like word before? Uh, I went back and looked, and that's exactly the way that, that it was written. Holily. Without impurity, there should be nothing about the love that we have for our wife that's not true, that's not pure. Listen to what Ephesians 5.26 says. That he might what? Now look at that word, guys. He might what? Sanctify her. That is a huge responsibility. And whose responsibility outside of Christ is that? Yours, ours. We have a spiritual role to play in her life. Having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word. You know what that means? We need to be praying with her. We need to be reading scripture with her. We need to be teaching. The whole time we are sanctifying her, but we're also sanctifying ourselves. This teaches the husband to labor diligently to further the sanctification or the spiritual well-being of who? The wife. How much of that do you think is going on? Very little. Very little. Absolutely. And you know what? Men are still looking for their significance. Number four, greatly without comparison. Greater love has no one than this that someone do what? Lay down his life for his friends. That's what we've got to literally do. Lay down our lives for our wives. This is what Christ did for the church. Did he not die on the cross? And who did he die on the cross for? Us. Us. The, the church. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Do we all have some work to do here? How about that command, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind? Alright? Do we love our wives in those same regards? Constantly, without change. Shouldn't ebb and flow. Ephesians 5.25 So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Here's the deal. You stand before Christ at judgment, and he says, Jimmy... What did you do with that woman I gave you? Did you help her become the spiritual woman, follower of Christ, that I intended for her to be? And guess what? There's no other human given that responsibility other than the husband. Many times Christ has put off was many times Christ has been put off by us, has he not? Disappointed with the church. Has he not? Yet what did he continue to do? Yeah. I mean, uh, Jeannie was reminding me last night of somebody that said, all I want is underwear in my drawer. Say that again. A guy said, all I want is underwear in my drawer. Okay? That's what he wanted from his wife. All I want is underwear in my drawer. Okay? But what's going to happen? There's going to be some time that underwear is not in your drawer. 
Sometimes the dishes are piled up and you've got to work through them. Well, uh, even when she's got blemishes and she doesn't do what you want her to do, you've got to continue to love her. Because what did Christ do to us? He continued to love us and do what? Pursue us. Husband should copy this example. No bad behavior on her part. Did you hear this? No bad behavior on her part is grounds to stop loving her. Actively, without neglect, huge issue. I, I promise you, only by the grace of God, my wife is not the most neglected woman in the church. Because I can tell you, in lots of cases, the pastor's wife is the most neglected woman in the church. And if you're not careful, she'll be neglected, your wife. Okay? Actively, without neglect. I'm telling you, you can't leave them alone to go their own way. Trouble's coming. Ephesians 5.29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, and that's what we are. We're one with Christ. We're one with him but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. He must do his utmost to supply all her needs, all of her needs, with, uh, starting with support or constant friendship. Listen, don't marry a woman if she can't be your best friend because that's exactly what she needs to be. That's why you don't have enough time for another best friend. She needs to be your best friend. Or... A nurse for her in her illness. You know, that's probably all coming for all of us. You know, John's experienced that for several years now. The husband's love for himself. Ephesians 5. So we're, we're, looking, at, uh, we're, not, we're, we're looking at the pattern of godly husband's love. Christ's love for his church. The second thing is the husband's love for himself. Y'all, 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 tell me you... Tell me you can't go in the mirror and think I love that guy. They ain't nobody that we love if we're not in the spirit more than we love who? That's it. That's the truth of the matter. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. The husband's love for himself in the same way Ephesians 5.28 Husbands should love their wives as their what? Selves. Own bodies. He who loves his wife loves who? Himself. What's the scripture say? Himself. That's when you show showing that you really love yourself is when you love God and love your wife. Ephesians 5.33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And here's the, here's the command. And let the wife see that she what? Respects her husband. I'm telling you guys, those are the two keys to marriage. Paul, Joseph, Jack, don't marry a woman unless you're going to love her. And you find a woman that's willing to respect you. Now, although the pattern is less than Christ's love for his church, yet it is easier to comprehend. So how did Christ love the church? How are we to love our wives? Tenderly. We handle our own sores and griefs more tenderly than anyone else. Hey, nobody's had a, had a knee replacement like I've had. It was the worst. Okay? You with me? That's the tendency that we have. 
we 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 sometimes we're we're uh, we're pretty tender. So we need to handle her tenderly. Ephesians five twenty nine. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This is a great quote. I've seen it before, but this is a great quote. Wives are like crystal what? Easily broken. I mean, we don't have to throw many rocks to break them. You know what rocks usually look like from us? Y'all tell me what they usually look like. Words. Words. Easily broken, it, listen, if not tenderly handled. Delicately. Women are more liable to fears and passions and griefs than men. That's just who they are emotionally. So tenderly and cheerfully. No man is so ready to help a man as himself. Best friends sometimes fail you. Guess who you keep around? Yourself. So be ready to help your wife. If a cloud arises between the two of you, dispensate it with your love. You're not going to like this, is what I'm about to tell you. You are the one responsible for keeping the peace. You do all you can. You Okay, so look at this next quote. You've got it there. I'm, I'm cheerful. You will not stay angry long with who? Yourself. Who? Yeah, yourself. Now, have you kicked your... Have, have I gone around kicking myself for a few days? Sure. For something stupid I did? Mm -hmm. I didn't do that long, did I? No. No, I didn't. Okay, so you will not stay angry with yourself very long. So what I'm telling you, there's a scripture, don't go to bed angry with anybody. Especially don't go to bed angry with your wife. I'm telling you, a good way to stop that is every night when you go, go to bed, go to bed at the same time with your wife, by the way, and you lay your hand over on her, on her, on her hip or on her, on her thigh and you pray for her. Okay? You do that every night. Well, try that after you've just had a big fight and you're angry with each other. Then you toss and turn all night long. Okay? Now, here's, here's the last part. And I, I've got this double underline. So be ready to help your wife. If a cloud rises between the two of you, fix it. How? By loving her more. And the last thing is this. No mediator should be needed. Listen, don't call me. <laughs> Just fix it. Love her. Apologize to her. Love her more. So we have looked at the dimensions of a godly husband's love. We've looked at the pattern of a godly husband's love. And now we're going to look at... Uh, the demonstration of a godly husband's love. How do we do it? How do we do that? Follow along in your notes. In word. Your words. The things that you speak to her. He teaches her. So we're, we're going to come to a scripture here just, just in a second. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. They're delicate. Okay? They're different. Matter of fact, let me just give you this. You'll never figure her out. 
A man has never figured a woman out. You'll never figure her out. But you ought to be studying all the time. What can I do to help her be the woman that God wants her to be? What can I do to help her be the mother and the wife that God wants her to be? Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. They've, been, they've got eternity coming just like you do. She should ask her own husband at home if she wants to learn something and not speak in the church. This is what the scripture says. If there is anything that you desire that they desire to learn, let their ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Guys, that's scripture. Vincent talked about it yesterday. That's that's what scripture says. Uh, it doesn't say they can't pray, it doesn't say they can't give a testimony. It doesn't say that they can't do a special. But when it comes to asking a lot of questions in public, who should they have asked first? Tell them what scripture is. Did anybody hear that scripture? He teaches her, Woe to the husband that lacks either the will or the skill to teach his wife. Vincent went over it pretty good yesterday, and I'll just tell you. How does a man qualify himself to be a leader in the church? Where's he first got to be a leader? Before he can teach in the church, where is he first got to teach? I'm telling you, that's why probably 90% of our pulpits are upside down. Do you hear me? You know, that probably should be one, if not the top question, that a church asks a candidate that's coming. Tell me what you do to teach your wife and children at home. Is that not a qualification? First Timothy, the third chapter, that is a qualification. So woe to the husband that lacks either the will or the skill to teach his wife. He ought to inquire it in either case. Otherwise, she may curse him forever in hell. That's serious words. If you don't have the skill, if she's smarter than you in the Bible, guess what? you got to study more. Number two, he reproves her. Guys, this is a huge one. He reproves her. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. We should overlook all the faults that we can overlook. Did you hear me? Just as the sword dulls with constant use, so does reproof. They're not going to want to see you coming if you're always corrected. Yet true love sometimes requires rebuke. Sometimes you've got to go home after church and maybe after you've slept on it that night, you may have to pull your wife aside and say, you know what, you should have kept your mouth shut. Or you should have thought about that before you said it. That would probably have been a better way to say it. Yeah. <clears throat> it must be given with the greatest wisdom and tenderness imaginable. I got to practice this last night. 
<laughs> so Jeannie's, Jeannie's rehearsing her class with me, and she got through it. She said, I want to read something. And so it was about four pages. And she did, she, listen, she detests for me to read something from the pulpit. She absolutely detests that. I mean, maybe a short quote or something, but to read from the pulpit. So it was four pages. And I was already sleepy. And so she got through and she said, uh, I almost put you to sleep, didn't I? I said, yes. I said, if you hadn't asked me this, I wouldn't have said it. Now I was going to tell you in the morning. Don't read that after your class tomorrow. She said, okay. But why, what was she doing? She was rehearsing her class with me. Uh, so we got to be careful, though. And listen, listen to me. You've got to be careful to pick the right time to do reproof. Okay? Probably, just, just like your kids, if you don't have teenagers yet, listen, they don't ever want to talk to you except at 10 o'clock at night. Then what are you ready to do at 10 o'clock at night? Go to bed. Listen, you probably don't want to talk to your wife after wrestling four kids all day long about bedtime. You probably need to pick your time. Now listen. Listen carefully. You've got the quote there. But it must be given with greatest wisdom and tenderness imaginable. Not before strangers. You would never rebuke her in public unless she is way out of line. Right? Rarely before family. Mainly for sins. Sell them for anything else. Give commendation first, an explanation afterwards. Reproof should be very short, like a very swift and slight slap. Now, this is what Richard Steele said. And in the parentheses, of course, this is a pure simile. A husband should never strike his wife. Amen. If the potion is too hot, it does more harm than good. Follow Job's example. What did he tell his wife when she said, curse God? He said, you talk like a foolish woman. Did he not? Mild reproof with patience. A ruler may be persuaded and a talk, soft tongue will break a bone. And a soft tongue will break a bone. Be careful. So he reproves her. He teaches her. He encourages her. Praise when she does well. Man, brag on the food. Brag on how the house is looking. Brag on how she's doing taking care of the household. Brag on her. When, it's, when she needs bragged on, find the truth and speak it to her. Praise her when she does well. This is important because it will help her to realize the sincerity of your love when you reprove her. Who wants reproved if they never get any praise? I could probably work on that with, with you guys. And make reproofs very convicting when you have done it out of praise. He comforts her, especially when she's hurting emotionally or physically. Listen, guys, there will be times you need to be there for your wife. Don't miss it. You've got to discern that. You've got to discern when to be there. You've got to discern when you tell a buddy, I can't do that. You've got to discern that. Elkanah's tender reasoning with Hannah brought her to dinner. 1 Samuel 1, 8 and 9. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, Hannah, 
Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? He noticed those things. Am I not more to you than ten sons? She didn't have any children. And after it had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. A husband's kind word, listen to this, is like medicine to his wife. They need it. They need a kind word. Do not underestimate your words. Do not underestimate your praise. Do not underestimate your kind words. So he does it. He does it not only in word, but he also does it in need. In deed. He provides for her. That is one of the main responsibilities. That, uh, so in the Middle East, in, in the Bible uh, times that we looked at, when we looked at the, uh, the parable of the virgins, uh, there was an engagement time, and during that engagement time, the, the husband was proving to the bride's father that he could provide for his daughter. It is mainly the husband's duty to provide for his wife. Exodus 21.10 If he takes another wife... Now this is serious, guys. It says here, if you put, put her aside, if he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. What, what if the judge in a divorce court said, oh yeah, you can divorce her and you can marry this other woman, but you've got to continue to support her. Right. Support's a big deal. Now look, look at that next underline. She should help as she is able. Did you hear that last word? Able. Yeah. Is she able to work 40 hours a week, be the head of your household, is she able to teach your children? Is she able to keep care of the babies and all her other duties? If she is able, does she have time to do it? It's mainly the husband's duty to provide. The honor a husband must give to his wife as a weaker vessel may well refer to maintenance. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 1 Timothy 5, 3. Honor widows who are truly with us. Taking care of women financially is important. He should make provision for her not only while he's living, but also when he's gone. As Christ did for his church, did he make provisions for us so that when he's gone, we're okay? Absolutely. If he can, he should also give her some... Uh, how about this word? It's an exact quote. Penitence. In her own disposal. You know what that means? Look, if she doesn't have a job, occasionally, what should you put in her hand? There you go. So she can exercise charity and encourage servants and children in their duties. Number two, he shows great tenderness to her. This is especially shown in the protection of her from dangers, temptation, harm, reproach, contempt, and his sympathy with her troubles. You remember the uh, policeman in uh, uh, Atlanta? She was a woman, and she was a, a street detective. She's pretty tough to all the martial arts. And she married a geek, a, a guy that worked in an office. He was an editor for a paper or something. Y'all remember that story? And so they're going down the street from eating one night to the theater. And on the way down there, they, they got robbed at gunpoint. And so this guy is thinking, oh, my wife, she's caring. My wife knows how to handle this situation. I'm not a martial arts guy and all this kind of stuff. 
So he gunctured it up, and during the altercation, he, uh, the, the guy asked for his wallet, and so he distracted them with fumbling around, and when he came back, he came with his best left hook and hit the guy in the mouth as hard as he ever hit anything. Well, the next thing he knew, he woke up in the hospital. Now, the good part of the story is his wife took over, apprehended these guys, put them on the ground, put them in handcuffs, and called the cops. But when she came to the hospital and he woke up, you know what she said? You're just the kind of guy I want. We've got to protect our wives from dangers, temptation, harm, reproach, contempt, and, and sympathize with her when she's in trouble. He is a good example of her. Listen to this quote. Wives will either follow their husbands to hell or to heaven. Probably your kids too. That's the truth. His example is a greater influence than he may realize. Solomon calls him the guide of her youth. Whoever Who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Therefore set the pace in piety, that's devotion, seriousness, charity, that's love, wisdom, and goodness. She'll learn to pray from your prayers. Your life will be a rule of law for hers. An example. He grants her reasonable request. Remember David granting Bathsheba her request of the throne for her son? You remember uh, Solomon had been promised to be the king? And then Adonai came up with a revolt and put himself on the throne. You remember that? And Solomon came before the king and said, Do you know what's going on? You remember? You kind of remember that? That You can look the scripture up if you want to. And so she went and talked to him, told him what was going on. And so he comes back and uh, it says, uh, you know, the prophet came in, uh, one of the commanders came in, and then it says it to this, this way. Call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me. He shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so will I do this day. Bathsheba had a request. And it says, Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, My Lord, my king David, live forever. So Isaac also granted a re- request to Rebekah when she didn't want him to, to marry. He, she did not want Isaac. To Isaac, she, He said to Isaac, I don't want Jacob to marry these Hittite women. And he, she requested it. So he sent her off. And that's exactly what he did. Genesis 28.1, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from these Canaanite women. And Jesus Christ granting the reasonable petitions of his church. When we pray and ask God to meet the needs of the church, what does he do? If they're in his will, if they're biblical, what does he do? He meets those needs. A husband, listen to this. This is a great word, guys. A husband should be anticipating her request and giving her before she asks. A woman that stays home and raises the kids and doesn't have any income at all, she ought not to have to ask the husband for a little money. Mm-hmm. Man, wouldn't it have been good if we'd got taught this when we were Paul's age? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's some stuff, guys. Okay? Giving her what she wants before she asks. And yield, okay, so we're talking about advice here now. Listen, guys. 
She has got, in some areas, lots of wisdom. She's got lots of discernment. So, uh, uh, the scripture in Genesis 21-12, God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall be your offspring be named. So, what what I'm trying to get across to you here, if your wife has got good advice, listen to her. She may have discernment about a situation that, that you don't have. Give her a chance to speak. Ask her what she thinks. Be careful that you don't run past what her vice might be. Number five, he trusts her in domestic affairs. The heart of the husband safely trusts her. The heart of her husband trusts in her to help no lack of gain. Especially if she has enough sense to guide the domestic affairs. In other words, if she's running the house well, as she ought to, a husband has more important things to do than direct the household servants or the kids. That's mama's responsibility. She may occasionally consult him so that things do not turn out well. She may escape blame. But generally, he should move in his sphere. What's the sphere of the man? Outside the home. Taking care of providing and bringing to the house. Where's her realm? Where's her sphere? In the home. And he doesn't need to come in every day and upset that apple cart. She's probably got a plan. I love this quote. This, this, this is absolutely an old quote. He should fetch the honey. Go get the provisions. He should fetch the honey. And she should work it in the hive. She should take what he provides and do with it what needs to be done. If you've got a woman like that, you're blessed. Number six, he exercises authority towards her. The all-wise God invested the first husband with authority. Then the man said, this is the bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Jeannie's going to ask the women, three. which of these three statements... Uh, rile you the most. And I can't give it to you. I, I should have wrote them down. But one of them was uh, because God made woman from man. man okay, I, I know the one that's going to rile them. God made woman for man. Not, not just out of man, but God made woman for man. What, what's the other third one? Can anybody think about the third one? Hey, anyway, it's good, guys. Okay, now look. Well, I'll second that. A little less. Do I know? Is it a little less? Uh, I don't know. I can't can't remember. Okay, so think about this now. Okay, then the the man said, This is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay, made for man. Listen, and this was not taken away by the fall. Look at Genesis 3.16. The woman said... To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he is to what? Rule over you. That was after the fall. The light of nature and the gospel require this. Esther 1.22 He sent letters to all the royal provinces, to every province in his own script, and to every people in his own language, that every man be master of his own household and speak according to the language of his people. 
1 Corinthians 11, 3, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. This is it. This is the third one. The head of every wife is who? Her husband. And the head of Christ is God. Only, listen. So, this is a great statement. And Jeannie's talking to him about, about this stuff too. It's, it's, it's different, but she's talking to him. Listen. Only a proud and ignorant woman would dispute what I just said. But a husband, you, okay, so he's got some authority, right? He's, he's, got a head, he's got headship, right? Look at these last two points. He should exercise it. He should use it, listen, wisely and mildly. Are you with me? Wisely and mildly. He can only keep authority by a truly spiritual, serious, and manly behavior. It will be hard for her to reverence him if he does not reverence God. If he is light or an effeminate, he will lose it. Number two, Miley. Remember that though his position is superior, their souls are equal. You with me? Their souls are equal. She is your companion. Therefore, you cannot rule her as a king does his subjects. But as the head does its own body. Eve was not taken from Adam's head or foot, but from his, from, his, uh, from his side, near his heart. His attitude must be friendly, his language sweet, his commands sparing and respectful, and his reproofs gentle. These last two are key. Wisely and mildly. Do not think the way to keep a wife under authorities by intimidation. Let me tell you what happens in that case. One day you come home and she's gone. Or one day you come home and all your stuff's sitting outside the door. Intimidation is not the way to handle a delicate vessel. Listen to what the last statement is. If meekness of wisdom will not prevail with her, then you are undone in this world and she in the world to come. So let me read that again. If meekness, tenderness of wisdom will not prevail with her, she's stubborn, hard-headed, whatever the case may be, then you are undone in this world and she in the world to come. What were you commanded to do? Do what to your wife? Tell me that word. Love your wives. Huh? Love your wives. What's she commanded to do? Respect who? You. That's command. When you don't love your wife, if you're the opposite of that, you will be undone at when? Judgment. If she doesn't respect you, doesn't repent of it, She's going to show her not to be herself, not to be a, a Christian. She'll be undone at judgment. 
why, why do we choose some commands and we don't choose some commands? All right. So, y'all understand your duty to do what? Love the wise. All right. Comments or questions? You know that one comment you made about if you ask a pastor you're interviewing, do you do this at home? The second question ought to be, well, tell me how you do it. That's exactly right. Just don't ask if you do it. Yeah. Explain it to me. What's that look like? And, and especially if you want your wife to ask you at home, do you create an environment which she would want to? If you're beating right. over her head or you're, if, you, she, if you're wearing her out, she's not going to ask you. That's it. Which means she's not going to respect you because she just, she just beat up and are you berating her or do you criticize her or do you respond to her in a way that takes her down a notch? Then same way with your kids. They're finally just not going to talk to you or ask you. Isn't it true that, that people ask people questions or get advice from people that they respect? Trust. Yeah, trust, respect. Because if you don't trust somebody or don't respect somebody, you're not really interested. What they got to say. Right. So the question was, if you interview a pastor and ask him about, do you do this at home, then he should be able to give an explanation of it. What's that look like? Any, any other comments? Tom's right to ask them what that looks like, and that would get that would reveal most of those that don't do anything, you know. Okay, guys. Uh, now that's all. We're just up to page ten and a half in the book, so you can study this booklet every day. I'm, I'm talking about guys. This is this is a this is a life changer right here. Lord, I thank you for these guys. I thank you for this class. I pray that you'd teach us the duty of loving our wives. And I pray that as Jeannie teaches the, the wives to respect their husbands, that you would do with it by the Spirit of God what you see fit to do. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen.